Hey everyone, welcome back to the National Fire Radio Podcast, a podcast that is designed to talk about the job. I'm the luckiest guy alive. I get to interview the coolest people out there in the American Fire Service and talk about the job. Everything from guys riding backwards, officers, chiefs, up through companies, people, manufacturers, products, organizations, you name it. We're trying to capture the stories to promote the job and make the job better. So if you're returning and you're a regular listener, thank you. If you're new to the podcast, check it out and let us know what you think. Podcast at nationalfireradio.com is where you can find us. Send us an email. Let us know what you think about the show, people that you think might be a good guest, or anything else that you want to talk about. Send it over to podcast at nationalfireradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. And what we get to do is bring forth the word about the job. But in order to do that, we need the help of some sponsors. So do me a favor, hang tight, and listen to the words from a few of our sponsors. This episode's brought to you by Box Alarm Grills. When your apparatus arrives on scene, are you making the best showing? Looking to set your rig apart from everyone else? Want your engine, truck, or rescue to be easily identifiable? There is a solution. With large aluminum grill numbers and full-width rear mud flaps from Box Alarm Grills. Formed by Danny and a team of fellow firefighters, Box Alarm Grills gets it. They know what it means to show pride in your ride, delivering the quality construction and design that fire departments demand. That's why their grill numbers and mud flaps grab attention, enhance visibility, and make your fleet recognizable on scene while responding or just driving around town. Built in the USA by a family-owned business, Box Alarm Grills is quickly becoming the choice of fire companies, apparatus planners, and fire truck manufacturers with out-of-the-box or custom solutions. Check out functional, durable grill numbers and mud flaps from Box Alarm Grills today at boxalarmgrills.com and on Facebook and Instagram. And like Danny and his crew like to say, add pride to your ride. Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his team have been manufacturing aluminum helmet fronts since 2017 with over 200,000 shields in the market. Taylor's Tins is a leader in the American Fire Service helmet front space. Not only do they manufacture helmet fronts, but they do so much more. Locker tags, key chains, CO monitor charts, medical kit charts, pump charts, banquet awards, you name it, they do it. Go over to taylorstins.com and check out what they can offer you today. They've become a longtime sponsor and good friend of the National Fire Radio podcast. And because of that, they offer a promo code at checkout. So when you go to taylorstins.com, Enter NFR sent me. That is NFR sent me, and you'll get 15% off your checked out order. It works on all stock items from taylorstins.com, including quick tins, license plates, locker tags, and much, much more. Exclusions do apply. This is a company that prides themselves on quality and customer service. From the inception, from your design to out the door, it's within 48 hours. Nobody else is doing that. They can't do that. 48 hours to get your shield out the door to you to put it on your helmet and get to the next job. Anyway, check out taylorstins.com. Again, that's taylorstins.com. Check out their latest offerings and use promo code NFR sent me. That's NFR sent me for 15% off on your checkout. And in the words of Taylor and his crew, stop burning up leather. What's funny, and I, and I think about your shirt here, I can take in... If you say Huber, I can name all those guys. 
Yeah. If you say Miami Township, I can name all those guys. I love that. You know, that's and awesome. that, yeah, and that, that's why I like this shirt so much. <laughs> Because it's Thank like, you. oh, yeah, that's, that's cool. this guy. That's this guy. That's that guy, you know. Or, There's still plenty of available on the store if anybody's listening. <laughs> <laughs> Today only. Um, but, uh, and even at FDIC, Firehouse. And, yeah. and I, can name, I can name these guys, which, which to me, you know, it, that, like I said, that's why I like the shirt so much. I love so, that, man. That, that really paints a picture, though, about the type of career you have and, and the investment you put in and the investment and the return you got too to, to make those friendships. And Dave, you're the type of guy, you know, when we met, I'm very passionate, very into the job. And uh, we're going to get into a lot of your teaching and instructing and uh, the different groups and so on. But, you know, when we met, like you could just tell, like when you meet certain people, there's just a real love for the job. Um, and then, and then not only do they have a love for the job, but they have a love for the job, but the people that make the job good. Hey everybody, it's Rob, National Fire Radio, with my friend Jeremy Donch. Hey guys. And we have with us a very special guest tonight, the OG himself, David Gallagher. All right, the man, the myth, the legend. We have referred to him in many of our podcasts, and I am very excited to have him here. I've met him through our uh, contacts with On-Scene Training and Justice Network. I actually got to see Dave uh, teach down in Thibodeau, Louisiana, which was a uh, you know, just very insightful for me. And it's, uh, you know, tonight's going to bring a lot of good insight to uh, who he is and who we've been referring to as the OG. So welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much. He's chuckling already. Dave, that's quite the intro, brother. Holy yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Thank Dave, you. I just, I just personally want to hop into and say, thanks. don't forget to tip your waitress. Um, <laughs> I, I will say that, um, you know, Rob and I, um, you know, we cherish your friendship and you have been a, supporter of National Fire Radio and what we've been doing from day one. And I just uh, personally want to thank you for that. And I am so excited to have you here tonight for the two years that we've known each other since we started. And that's really when our friendship started. Um, I really don't know your story. And so I'm excited tonight. Uh, I know pieces of it. And I know a lot of the connections and the, the matchmaker that you are. Uh, <laughs> but I would love to um, love to really get into the story and, um, and really hear where, where it all started. And um, Maybe you could take us down that road. Maybe give us a little bit of background about yourself for our listeners to understand your pedigree and where you came from. Sure. Well, let me say, gentlemen, thank you so much. Um, I'm glad you allayed my fears by telling me you weren't down at the bottom of the list and didn't have anybody else to contact. <laughs> but no, they just weren't getting back to us, Dave. You know? Okay, that's all. Okay, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. No, thank you, gentlemen. I, I, one of the things that... I think is, is cool. You know, I hear, hear these young guys say, Hey, you've ever heard of that national fire radio? <laughs> Why? Yes. Yes, I Not. have. That's and they, um, and a little shout out to uh, a friend of mine from the national fire Academy that I introduced to you when uh, we had the thing in Massachusetts out there in Framingham. Uh, one of the guys on the RIP program, Jay Lucier, he, and I was like, Hey, you want to meet Jeremy? <laughs> he said, I felt like a 14-year-old girl. Oh, come on. <laughs> outrageous. Oh, you know, but you guys are um, the miracle of, of social media, being able to get a message out and an honest and true message. Like, you know, like you said, solid brothers doing solid things. 
with all of the static and chaff, um, you know, and us old guys are like, what is the big deal? <laughs> you know, what, what's going on here <laughs> type of thing. You guys bringing that to the table is huge. And, and, you know, personally, thank you for letting me be on here. Oh, of and, course, man. Thank of you course. for the, the hard work that, uh, that the two of you do. And I think one of the things that always struck me is you get out and get into it. You put your hands on it. You, you, you touch it, you show it, you, you know, uh, it, it's like down in Thibodeau with Rob, you know, he's right there and he's, you know, and he could say anything in the world, but being able to take the information and I got to tell you, there is not a doubt in my mind, Jeremy, the things you show with the apparatus and the little innovations here and the little innovations there, I'm telling you, there are drills running in diamond plate all over this country because <laughs> you took the time to say, to show this, you know, it's like, we really need to try this type of thing because it would work for us. So I think you guys do an amazing job. I, I truly, truly do. And I am, I am so flattered to be here. You're truly, crazy. I am. I listen, the, the kind words, I mean, we can stroke each other all night here, brother, but I'm telling you, I, I, I'm, I'm flattered and honored that, that you have such uh, kind words for us. And um, I think, especially after you've been out drinking with us, I mean, I, I think <laughs> no. one of the, I, I think one of the biggest things for me and, and Rob too, because we, we talk about, obviously we, we, we live with this, we do this every day, but you know, for guys like you who come from um, maybe the, the, the old school of thought before me, right? You're the generation prior to me and Rob and so on is a lot of what we do today, you guys take for granted or took for granted back then because that was so commonplace. And I think today we're finding that, you know, I found this, this hole in my generation where we were starting to lose touch with the values of what we expected of each other in the fire service. And so um, to start this page was, really to emulate your generation and the generation prior. And hopefully going forward, we can still instill those, we can still instill those values into the newer generation of what Dave, guys like you and, and Mike Dugan and, and so many good friends just take for granted every day. Well, and, and absolutely, couldn't have said it better myself. You guys are still, you're bringing the solid message. Um, and, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. we're, we're, I come from the generation of the fires in that room. You advance a hose line, you get the doors open, you get the place opened up, you go and you put the fire up. That's it. Right. You know, um, the keep it simple, stupid type of thing. So, you know, it, which, um, which is getting lost. And we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that. Absolutely. So, so let's start at at uh, at the beginning, Dave. I, I mean, where where did you where did you start your career at in the fire service? Where where where, where did you get that initial? I bug? I have to go back to probably when I was I'm going to say eight nine years old. Uh, my grandfather Charles Chick Gallagher was a uh, Firefighter in the city of Dayton, Ohio, 1916 to 1946. Originally drove team for a steamer, uh, which was really cool. And then when they and went when motorized. You say drove, when you say drove team, that means. Horses. 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 Yeah, horses. Yep. 
um, gave them somebody to talk to. You know, they worked six days in a row, were off one. They lived in their district, so they walked to work because nobody had cars. Uh, if they had to go somewhere else, they would hop on the trolley, you know, the streetcar, flash their badge and go wherever they, they had to go. Um, by all accounts, Chick was a, a pretty powerful Jake. You know, he was, uh, as a human being, I've heard a lot of stories. Of what he was, let's say he was a better fireman than he was a person. Um, it's funny, a, a, one of my dearest and best friends was um, uh, talking to a retired, long retired Dayton fireman. And uh, my, one of my best friends, John Perry, was, was saying, oh, he says, yeah, you know, says a, a friend of mine, says his grandfather was on the job, like back, back in the day, maybe, you know, right before, uh, you were probably getting on right before he was getting off. And the guy said, oh, yeah, who was that? And he said, oh, Chick Gallagher. He said the guy's eyes got real wide. He turned around and walked away. Wouldn't talk to him anymore. I'm like, that is a great story. Oh, man. And then my dad was a, uh, could have walked on the city of Dayton, easy enough, uh, legacy. But back then, you know, uh, post-World War II, he didn't want the hours that they were still working. I think it was five and two or five and three back then. And he, um, you know, he took his GI Bill, did some other things and, and went to work for uh, Frigidaire. But he was, uh, and I heard these stories, uh, by all accounts, an amazing, you know, hardcore fireman. And I remember buffing jobs with him. We had this old green, um, uh, what was it called? It was a radio. I mean, you had to tune it in. It wasn't a scanner or anything. You had to tune it in and, you know, hot, humid nights. We, we could get Cincinnati for crying out loud. Uh, I actually listened to the, uh, the big fire down in, in uh, Cincinnati, the uh, supper club. Um, slips my mind right now, the history. Listen to that fire. You know, what are we talking, like 60s, 70s? 70s. 70s. Where, uh, where all those people perished, yeah. Um, John Davidson, I know, was a headliner there, but um, down in the Beverly Kentucky, Hills Supper Club, right? Beverly Hills Supper Club, Southgate, Kentucky, right? Listen to that, believe it or not, that far away. But we would buff fires, and, and you ask where uh, it started, and, and I can tell you, I can't give you the date, and I can't give you the street address, but it was a multi-alarm fire in the city of Dayton. My dad still knew a couple of guys, uh, so we could get a little closer than most people, you know, him and his little kid, me. I was probably eight, nine, I don't remember, um, maybe even younger than that. But I, you know, I would help roll hose and <laughs> a lot of cotton jacket and two and a half back in the day. But I remember watching this fire and these guys coming out and they had just taken a trimming, you know, they were just covered from head to toe. And I was standing there watching, and this one guy, and I, I don't know whether he knew my dad or not, but he walks over, goes past, you know, the canteen truck, everything else, comes over to where I'm standing, takes this filthy glove, pats me on the shoulder, and says, hey, how you doing, kid? That's what started my career as a firefighter. That's and I remember awesome. that like it was yesterday. That's awesome. Cause you know, that's something that like gets lost today. And I always tell guys, 
you know, we're at Home Depot or we're out with the engine and there's a, a kid there walking by, you know, you ask that parent if they want to have, you know, if they want their kid to hop up in the fire engine or absolutely and get that picture because you never know who, what spark you're going to, you're yeah. going to ignite there with somebody into this, into this world. It could very much be the person who's going to replace us in, in 20 years. And absolutely. it all starts with that because this is the only industry I think where people have that kind of, or it's one of the few industries where there's that kind of connection of somebody being able to say like, yeah, here you go. Oh, and, absolutely. And, and, you're 100%. and kids hold on to that memory. So that's awesome. Yeah. I'll tell yeah. you, like, for me, I mean, it is like mid to late 80s, early 90s, New York City was my influence. And it was, you know, long coats, roll up, you know, hip. Yeah, baby. Cigarettes, <laughs> cigarettes hanging out of their mouth. And when yeah. you talk about this guy coming out, right, Dave, the experience you had where he comes out and takes his dirty glove and just puts it on your shoulder. You know, I remember as a kid looking at, uh, you know, buffing fires with my father and, and, uh, and seeing um, videos or news, like usually it was the nightly news, right? And it was like, you see these guys just coming out of these buildings and they are just, I mean, men of steel, right? I mean, they are, they're, they're Superman. And as a kid, I mean, I remember so being so influenced by that saying like, that's the type of guy I want to be. I mean, that guy, you know, he's just the you know, mightier than mighty, you know? And I think the imagery of that is is so important to drive home how big this job is and what type of fireman or firefighter do you want to be? You know, with when you have influences like that, like I always think like, am I letting my guys down? And sometimes I do. Sometimes I can't be that senior guy that I've always wanted to be because, you know, time restrictions or I'm just not there enough now. And, you know, there's all those things. But on the other end, it's like when I am there, am I putting in the time and resembling those guys that I looked up to? And I think that's so important to have that imagery as a uh, as a focal point of how you want to be in your career. Well, I, I a class that I put together here a while back um, kind of speaks to that. And back back in the day, like when Report from Engine Company 82 came out by Dennis sure. Smith, there was a, uh, a photographer uh, named Jill Friedman. Yes. And I want to say that was probably 75, 76. I can't remember when her book came out, but it was called Firehouse. It's like a, a, yeah. a coffee table yep. book. I know. Yep. And to me, if anybody that wants to get into this job would just read the introduction that's all. Just read the introduction that she puts in there. Um, I, I, and we'll probably get into this later, but I actually attached that to another group of people who I've become associated with that I see a lot of commonality with. Yeah. Um, um, and those of you who know, <laughs> know I'm big into rodeo and especially the uh, professional bull riders. And, and I am very honored and, and blessed and proud to say one of the top uh, cowboy protection bullfighters, Frank Newsom and the PBR uh, were friends. I took his nice. class a few years ago and <laughs> learned how to fight bulls. <laughs> That's but cool. there's, a, there's a lot of commonality between what they do and what we do. But um, anyway, going, going back, um, you know, after, after that moment, and like you said, the fire trucks, uh, 
all this, that, and the other, I want to say my sophomore year, I had been a Boy Scout a long time uh, in a scout troop and then discovered Explorers. And when I discovered Explorers, I discovered that you can have an Explorer post for just about every vocation out there. It could be journalism. It could be, um, I don't know, uh, auto mechanic. You, you could, as long as, you know, it was uh, legitimized past the, the, the litmus test of everything. And there were several fire and rescue explorer posts. I said, we need to start one of these. So I got uh, five of my friends. And so we, we met the quorum for the number for the post. And my mom and dad were the first advisors. We got a couple other advisors on board. Uh, at one time, I think we had 30, 30 active members. We participated in tornadoes. We participated in multiple alarm fires. We made coffee. We rolled hose. We filled air bottles. We, this is uh, what, 15, 16 years old? Yes. Yeah. Um, we got our EMT. <laughs> actually at 16 and some of us got back in the day in the state of Ohio, there was this 36 hour trade and industrial program and kind of like two karate lessons, just enough to make you dangerous. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so you knew which end of the nozzle the water came out of and which, uh, which way to climb the ladder. So we start on Explorer Post, Miami Township Fire and Rescue Explorer Post 922. I remember that this day because that was their, uh, the number on their call sign when you used to have to do the, um, I don't know, the FCC radio check or whatever. Uh, we had advisors and helpers from the ranks of the fire department. We actually ran on a non-emergency basis. They let us use this just old gorgeous low top Cadillac ambulance, <laughs> I mean, oh, cool. you know, um, yeah. back in the day. And uh, one of the things we would do is we would do hospital transfers. You know, if somebody needed a ride home from sure. the hospital, mm -hmm. we, yeah, we had a, one of the adult firefighters, they had to be an EMT or paramedic. Well, EMT, I should say uh, at the time. And they had to drive obviously, because they were licensed. And we would do that. And, you know, we would set up, uh, whether it was a, you know, a canteen type of thing, or, or whatever, but we were always involved. Uh, they permitted us to come in on their trainings. Nice, and all which that. I got to think set the stage, right? For Oh, it did. And, and, you know, the best part about this is, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and my numbers could be way off. But I remember, I believe, by the time all of us had, you know, grown too old for it, so to speak, and was looking forward, I want to say what 90% of our members were either firefighters, uh, search and rescue people, RNs, something in that. I think we even right. had a couple of cops. But it at least, you know, set the stage for all of that. And it was, uh, it was pretty amazing. And then when I started uh, to get into it, we're talking back in the days of Johnny and Roy, man, in KMG 365, you know. <laughs> KMG 365. And I remember, 
dude, I, I got my paramedic and we were doing intercardiac sticks. You want some fun? Pulp Fiction got nothing on us. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> when did you become a medic, Dave? Uh, I became a medic in 1977. Huh. All I know in this, I found my old, old, old original paramedic card and it was in the low four digits for the state of Ohio, which we got a lot of people. So, yeah, but yeah, it was pretty cool. Wow. But that was back in the day. <clears throat> so where did we go from there? So Miami Township, right? Is that, yeah. That's couple, where the Explorer post. And then I'm, I'm assuming a volunteer. you were starting yeah, to ride a the back step there. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was cool. I had a, a 1967 Ford Mustang and, and the, the people, who are geeks for lights and sirens and stuff. I had my federal director and I had my um, big 184 four beam light on top of the, I mean, those big four beam 184 yep. lights on top of that little Mustang. <laughs> so. it, drew, it drew so much power, his headlights didn't work. Yeah. They yeah. used to say you could pick up the light and watch the car spin around. <laughs> I like that. But, uh, yeah, no, but you know, I had, um, it endeared me to the volunteer fire service forever. And that particular group, you know, we had a parade piece that won every year. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the stuff we would do with it. We had these old uh, 61 and 63 Pershes, conventional cabs, uh, and just, but it taught me the value of, and that's, I think, where I learned the comradeship and, yeah. and the brotherhood part of it uh, back in the day, because there was certainly a older group and a younger group, and there was some Usually bumping heads. Is. Usually you it know, is. But I think, I think the stage has to get set for guys when they're younger so that as they go on in their career, whether they stay in that same department or they move on, if your first interactions are not what is desired, you're going to have a tough time adapting as you go on. I oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, and, and you go back to the volunteer ranks and one of the things I cite is the volunteers, they don't have to be there. If they get treated poorly, it's like, I got stuff to do. See you. Bye. So it takes a special group leading that volunteer contingent to, to make it palatable, to make it worthwhile, you know, and, and whatever uh, psychology thing you want to do, you know, the need to feel needed. So, right. and that's a lot of participation. So. so then I'm assuming from there, your volunteer days, I'm assuming the bug was in you because I know that you certainly became a career fireman and your, oh, yeah. your, your passion and made it a career, um, which, uh, what was that, Wayne Township, which then became Huber Heights, correct? Correct. Correct. You know, and going back to something we had talked about a little bit before and uh, uh, back to the Miami Township days, you sure. know, my first work in fire was with them. Yeah. Talk and about that. It, we were up all night. We'd had a really bad, um, I joined my 18th birthday was on a Friday, so I couldn't get sworn in until Monday. Uh, so that would have been the 18th. And then you know, a couple of this, a couple of that, all of that and the other. And then the night before I graduate high school, we had this major 
grinding auto accident on the interstate right next to my high school. So they're, they're cutting a guy out of a semi all night back in the day. And we're talking before the days of even hearse tools. I mean, right. we're talking Blackhawk porta powers. We're talking Hand air tools. chisels. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, saws, you know, and yep. all that back in the day. So we're up all night. I think I got home at 4 a.m. Then bang, the old Plectron. If you remember the suitcase radios, uh, the Plectron goes around quarter of six for a work and fire. And remembering these guys are volunteers. They're getting ready to leave for their day jobs. You know, sure. they're, they're real jobs. And we had this thing where the first person at the station drove, the second person at the station, no matter who, rode up front. Right. Third person rode the back step. And if you were fortunate enough to go from there, I was the second person. So I'm riding up front. I have little to no actual experience. Uh, we crest this one intersection, look up the hill. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> we got a working fire. <laughs> so yeah, go on the scene. The lieutenant was third. So he's riding the back step. I'm trying to babble on this radio, right? Right, right, right. I get off the rig going. <laughs> I'm like wound up like, woo. Sure. And he's stretching off. I throw my mask on, everything. I got no air. I'm sucking, you know, sucking my mask to my face, sucking my mask. I'm in the, on my knees in the front yard, sucking my mask to the face. And I see him going by. And he turns around and looks. And he come, and I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What am I doing he goes, wrong here? He goes, turn your bottle on. There he you never go. heard my bell go off, so he knew he didn't print. And, yep. Hey, yep. boom. And uh, off we went in and uh, we made the hallway. This bedroom was ripping. It was meeting us down the hallway. Inch and a half, Akron dial of gallons, 95 yep. GPM. Yep. Three quarter boots, no hood, you know, orange rubber gloves. I think I had a Nomex coat. And uh, yeah. And if I'd have got burned, I probably wouldn't even know. Yeah, that's what a great, I mean, what a great introduction though. Right. I mean, you were around it, but then to get your first run like that, I mean, that is just awesome. Yeah. And th so then we get back to quarters, you know, and it's cleanup. Well, you know, we had a lot of overhaul. We, we got to clean up a lot. Right. And my dad's there and the station chief says, you can go ahead and leave. And I said, I can't leave. And he says, well, you've got graduation rehearsal you need to be at <laughs> and by like eight o'clock, right? Right, right. And he goes, I said, no, I said, I can't leave. And he's like, no, he says, you need to go. I didn't shower. <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> nothing. So go to this, you know, this auditorium and sit down between two girls who are like National Honor Society girls. Right, all done up, right? Yeah. Bad. Gotcha. Thank heavens it was, you know, it was just a rehearsal, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the first go around. And then, you know, a few more after that. And uh, then I, uh, in 78, I left there, um, got my first full-time job tested at city of Fairborn, Ohio, where Wright-Patterson Air Force Base is. Hey, what was the, what was the hiring process like in 78? I mean, was it civil? Uh, written test. No, it wasn't civil service. It's just, okay. uh, I, you know, it's weird. I've been going through a bunch of stuff. We're trying to clear out 
uh, I found the copy of what you expect the uh, physical agility test was going to be. Okay. You know, what you could train for. Yeah. So it was a written test and then a physical agility test. Gotcha. And, uh, stayed how, was there the, how was the job that was it in high demand in 78? That was a very interesting time. Um, there were, and, and you being familiar with New York City, when was the strike? I don't remember. Uh, 75? Yeah, it was late, late 70s? or 70s, yeah. A lot of people, you know, had, uh, it had been shut down, you know, proposition, whatever, here, there, and, and whatever. Right. A lot of places were shutting down, no hiring. They were laying off. I tried uh, 66. I, wasn't there another one? Wasn't that was the oh no, that was a transit strike. I mm. thought there was one in the 70s. Yeah, I think you're right. I it did. It was late 70s. I just don't remember when. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I could be wrong. So somebody listening will probably know better than me. But <laughs> um, nobody was hiring. None of the big cities were hiring. But right. what was going on was the demand for EMS. That was huge. The evolution, you know, the Johnny and Roy thing, the evolution. Sure. Well, they have paramedics. Why don't we have paramedics? And the curious part of all this was city of Dayton, Ohio, was the last place, I believe, I believe, arguably, in Montgomery County to get paramedics. They got EMTs, but they didn't get medics. So you had all these suburban departments around them that had, you know, that were getting medics. Yeah. Um, I think it was a 200 hour course we took back in the day. Um, I remember, I remember going on a run, calling the hospital, having an acute MI patient, just begging for everything we could put into him. And the doc on the other end said, start a D5 WIV and transport. I said, they're symptomatic, you know, they're crashing. You know, the massive chest pain, they're, they're sweating like crazy. You know, can I give them some nitro? Nope, 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 nope. So there was a lot of that. Yeah. And we argued a lot with a lot of ER nurses back in the day. But be that as it may, you know, it, it certainly has evolved to something pretty amazing. And, you know, I hear, hear Rob and I hear, uh, uh, you know, a number of people that are doing EMS today. And it's like, you know, this this is this is some crazy stuff, you know, yeah. but, uh, that was one of the things in the suburbs. There was a lot of suburbs hiring, uh, cause they wanted to evolve from volunteer staffing to full-time. Right. Or, and then they, so they started doing that and there was a lot of the, you know, nine to six, eight to five. And then the volunteers would cover at night and then they started bringing in part-time and then some places started doing 2448s. That was, that's what Dayton did. So that's kind of what everybody followed. So, but nice. yeah, I, I got yeah. on at the Heights, you know, Wayne Township in uh, July of 79 and uh, went through November of 04. So, what do you remember? Good, bro. Do you, do you remember your first uh, like impression that day of walking in the firehouse, like coming from the volunteer ranks? Now you're like, we're, you know, walking into the Heights. Like, was it? Like, well, there, I went from the Bollies. I went from the Bollies to Fairborn, uh, and it was, it was, it was very different. They hadn't hired anybody new in quite a while. And three of us got hired one for each shift. These were some old school dudes, man. My Lieutenant never wore a pack and usually 
when you were banked down to the floor, he was smoking a cigarette right next to you. I mean, he was like one of the guys in report. For, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. He was like one of the guys in report from engine company 82. Um, and that's where I met, you know, everybody says they have a best friend. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, God's blessed me with a couple of best friends. Uh, like I said, John Perry before he helped me raise my kids, uh, Mikey mall, uh, task force leader for the Ohio task force. He was on the Heights. Um, he was at the trade center and all that. And somebody you probably have heard of in passing a guy named Bob Swick and yeah. the, uh, the Bob Swick ladder drag. Yeah. And yep. Yep. Despite what anybody says, Bobby invented that back in the day, you know, back in the seventies out of necessity, one, ran a one man ladder company for years and years and years. And that's what he started doing, right. you know? And, uh, I know a lot of people have claimed that, but that belongs to him. And then the video that I'm confident you guys have seen baby Chelsea, um, where the guy shows at the window with the baby and yes. hands it out to the guy. And that's mm -hmm. Bob Swick. You know, that is one of my best and dearest friends. Um, that's where I met Bob and that's where we became friends. We had a recall one night, big, big old two-story Victorian high street. I can even remember that, the high street fire. Uh, recalled, dead of winter, everything was freezing. They, uh, we even had plectrons, even though we were full-time for the recalls. Uh, plectron pops off, recall fire, report to the scene. And they didn't do that very often. It's usually report to the station, you know. So went to the scene, and this place is, oh, man, it's pushing smoke like hot fudge. Not a lot of flame, but this thing, you, you know, <laughs> it would have been a, a classic for Dave Dotson and Art of Reading Smoke or now yeah, right. Bill Josie saying, okay, tell me about this. And you're going, oh, this thing was just... Mm. Right. And you, you kind of went, hmm, yeah. type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> what was going on was it had been, the second floor had been illegally subdivided. Right. They put partition walls, right? And the fire are, is in these bedrooms. You can't see it from the hallway type of thing. So Bob... The crews were going in front door, straight up the stairs to the second floor, but they couldn't make the turn because like, you know, it's blowing over their heads, so they can't make the turn. And even if they could, they couldn't get to the seat of the fire. So you were kind of spitting into the wind, so to speak. Right. So Bob is like, all right, there was a ladder. And I hope I did remember this correctly. Delta side, second floor. And there were some Fairborne explorers with an inch and a half playing water through this window. It was all smoke. There was no fire. <laughs> and he's like, what are you doing with that? And they're like, ah, uh, and Bob was, um, Bob's a force to be reckoned with. I mean, yeah. you, you look, you, you look in the dictionary under salt. Yeah. His picture's there. And he starts up the ladder and I'm like, I can't let him go alone. So he gets to the top of the ladder and it's just crap pushing out of this window. Neither one of us have air packs because one, either the air ran out or the old days, seventies, the packs were frozen. The exhalation valves were all frozen right, up. 
right pat fire was there they're trying to get stuff done fill a bunch of bottles well bob's like having none of this so i <laughs> i follow him up the ladder going this is what my old man want me to do and we're up there he rolls the window and goes in and i'm like aha uh -huh. Showtime. Yeah. Either, either you do or you don't. That's um, right. Like, oh man, I can't believe I'm doing this. I roll the window and go in and I get hooked on what's left of a sofa. Springs and crap. And I'm like dragging this sofa across the hall. And he's like, give me more line. And I'm like, wait a minute. <clears throat> you know. Oh so my gosh. We, we drag some more line and I finally get loose at a sofa. I'm hollering at the, at the cadets, more line, more line. And what happened was he got down far enough. We're pushing in far enough where he could get the fire knocked back into one or two rooms so that crews with packs could finally get up and make the turn and get in. Now, he puts the line down. He and I both walk down the stairs and out the front door. And I was like, well, that was pretty cool. <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, I can only imagine cases of the guys that have been trying to get up the stairs. Yeah. What he meant, right? But, but the thing is, if you knew Swick, they weren't surprised at all. Right. It was like, yep. But even so, man. And then, yeah. the, and then to be a part of that, like, that's. Oh, yeah. It was huge. You know? It was huge. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. But yeah, I, and, and for you, though, that's a gut check, too, man. I mean, that was, you, you. You know, I, I, I yeah. blew black crap out of my nose for a oh, week. Yeah. Oh, easily. I went back to the station and my coat was a teepee. Yeah. It was that frozen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was great. <laughs> That's <laughs> great. That's pretty wild. I have to think, though, over your 26 years uh, in Huber Heights, I mean, I'm sure you've had not just the cast of characters to fight fires with, but you've had some uh, crazy jobs you've been a part of too, I'm sure. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, go ahead. So um, the Heights was, the administration from the Heights actually came out of a suburb in Franklin County, which is in Columbus. And I will say at the time, Franklin County and the city of Columbus was very forward thinking. They were the first county that I knew of that started a countywide numbering system, that started automatic mutual aid. They were right. very aggressive as paramedics. I mean, these people were innovating and doing stuff that everybody else was, or they were, let's just say they were doing some very, in, in, their, uh, in their purview, right? In their protocols, but very aggressive stuff that Montgomery County hadn't quite gotten to yet. Um, and I think that's because, you know, you had Ohio State there, you had Go Bucks, um, for you Michigan fans. Um, you had a lot of, uh, just a lot more forward thinking, I think, from the, from the, uh, from the city of Columbus. But uh, there was no doubt that had an influence on our organization and our department. We, my chief at the time, my late chief at the time, um, really started pushing for automatic mutual aid. It was How the big of a department was Huber Heights? At one time, I think we had, when I started there, we had 20, but we had 80 part-time. Okay. So you would have a core group of two or three career guys 
and then you'd have two or three part-time guys. So it was like two, two and two, three and two. Like what? What was? Uh, you. Uh, there were nights I could put two on the medic, three on the um, on the engine, and three on the truck. Okay. You know, or if we were, and I also had when I became a lieutenant, I also had the latitude that if something sounded good, you know, I I could kind of mix and match sure. for whatever. But it was the first department that I was involved with that ran a dedicated truck company, twenty four seven. And on the north side of uh, Montgomery County, on the north side of the city of Dayton, we were the only 24-hour career fire department. So if, if you think of a clock, we kind of sat at 11 o'clock. Right. Um, and if it was the next county up in Miami County, you know, the, the Bethel Townships, the New Carlisles, or you went west of Montgomery County, Harrison Township, Butler Township, Vandalia, et cetera, it was it was kind of great because we had the we had a full time truck company, you know, um, and that's where I fell in love with truck work. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is cool. <laughs> I can dig this. <laughs> but uh, what was what was neat back then? And we had a department immediately to our south. It was Mad River Township that eventually became Riverside. Dude, back in the day, they because they were the jurisdiction between us to a degree, us in the city of Dayton. Dayton wound up annexing so that we were neighbors. But there, man, Riverside, Mad River, woo, we fought a lot of fire down there, dude. And uh, th what was nice was we were the only full-time truck outside of the city of Dayton. Right. So we got to go to everything. Yeah. And it was, you know, I had a lot of great guys, a lot of great guys. Um, you know, it, it, it's funny that uh, talking about all these different places, you know, whether it was Fairborn or uh, Miami Township, Mass Fire Academy, OSTA, ADT, Huber, you know, whatever I've been involved with, what, what's funny, and I, and I think about your shirt here, I can take in, if you say Huber, I can name all those guys. Yep. If you say Miami Township, I can name all those guys. I love that. You know, that's awesome. and that, yeah, and that, that's why I like this shirt so much <laughs> because it's Thank like, you. oh, yeah, that's, that's cool. this guy, that's this guy, that's that guy, you know. Or, There's still plenty of available on the store if anybody's listening. <laughs> <laughs> Today only. Um, but, uh, and even at FDIC Firehouse, yeah. I, can name, I can name these guys, which, which to me, you know, it, that, like I said, that's why I like the shirt so much. I love so, that, man. That, that really paints a picture, though, about the type of career you have and, and the investment you put in and the, and, and the return you got, too, to, to make those friendships. And, Dave, you're the type of guy, you know, when we met, I'm very passionate and very into the job. And uh, we're going to get into a lot of your teaching and instructing and uh, the different groups and so on. But, you know, when we met, like, you can just tell, like, when you meet certain people, there's just a real love for the job. Um, and then... And then not only do they have a love for the job, but they have a love for the job, but the people that make the job good. And oh, a hundred percent. You certainly, um, you certainly personify that. Um, and, and I, I thank you for that because it makes me want to be better. And you, yeah. I never even thought of that with the shirt, right? When we came up with that, you know, it was just the logo and yeah, it's the band of brothers, you know, but, kind of well, idea. That's, right. and all I that. mean, yeah. It, it is right. And ask we, a military veteran 
to, to paint that picture and they're going to tell you those names. And, but and I, that's, yeah. But, you know, I, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm looking at, at uh, you know, I get, I get two sections of, uh, or two cabinets of challenge coins here. And I had to buy yours. Anyway. <laughs> but, what do you mean you had to buy? <laughs> I did. I sent away for it because I wanted to support you. But I, I look at these and I'm so proud that with the exception of one or two, and, and if I bought one, it was for a fundraiser, you know, type right. of thing or something like that or, or, to, or to help somebody out. But these have been given to me. You know, I've got my daughters up there, you know, retired Air Force Master Sergeant from wow. all, of, all of her stuff, stuff from my son who's on my old job back home at Huber, uh, you know, fourth generation and, and, uh, and really got it going on, you know. Uh, but... And that's where the whole OG thing comes in. But, you know, going, going back to kind of what you were saying, and I really appreciate your kind words. Um, but going back to Huber, I, that's where I learned that as good as you think you are and as much as you've tried to do, you ain't all that. Um, and, and to people out there, whether it's they're getting beat up by an administration that's, you know, playing politics or, you know, they've gotten cut or it's this or it's that or it's the other. Um, or in my case, when you learn you ain't all that is when you go to a fire and you almost buy it. Um, that's where I got a tremendous education of how compressed and weird time can get, <laughs> so to speak. Um, I will say God and my dad got me through it in that had a, we went mutual aid to a department north of us. Um, fire had been burning for some time. We had already had an engine there. We came I guess, you know, we would consider it like a second due truck, even though we were right. the first truck on the scene, but the number of apparatus that was already there. And it was a nice home. It was a big one-story ranch, basement, et cetera. Fire had started in the basement. Wind-driven fire. I mean, it was so cold. February, um, et cetera. So part of the, I want to say we were on a tanker op. Don't quote me on that. Somebody may say, no, you weren't. Well, that's what I remember. But anyway, uh, <laughs> we went in through a side entrance to the basement, like a field stone door, not a Bilco, but into the basement. Mm -hmm. And there was already like six, eight inches of water on the floor. So, and, and I would tell this to, to people coming up, you know, it's experience. What does that tell you? Right. They flown a lot of water and never touched the fire. What does that mean? The fire's running. You know, it, it's running unchecked. Bad things are going to happen. I had a probie and I said, you stay right here with me. So, uh, and then I had my senior guy, great guy. Um, we went into the, and I'm like, dude, there's a lot of water on this floor. You know, they're not touching it. But we went in and we'd hit the fire and it would come back. It would hit the fire, they'd come back. I'm like, yeah, this just ain't getting it. Later learned that the individual, uh, the story I was given, the individual had built a basement 
and built an apartment in the basement and covered it. That's where they lived while they were building the rest of the house. Gotcha. So you essentially, more so than a regular basement, you had you know closets and cubbies and, and all kinds of stuff. But, and again, I, I would go back to, um, and my dad kind of taught me this, I don't know if a whole lot of people know what an Etch-a-Sketch is, <laughs> but if you don't look it up, you start running this Etch-a-Sketch in your head. Where you been? Where are you going? Did you turn back? Did you turn left? Did you turn right? Type of thing. So we get pulled out of the basement and our chiefs, because he went up and, and I believe kind of took command of the fire and said, all right, we're going to go through the front door. We're going to save this section over here, go through the front door. And there was this, we could see ahead of us, uh, like into the, I'm presuming kitchen dining room, you know, all of a sudden this big ball of fire. Well, what turned out happening is the back of the house had fallen off. <laughs> and my senior guy comes up to me, hits me on the shoulder and says, did you see? And he's gone. I mean, like you, you know, you wave the magic wand and, and he's gone. And I'm like, and your mind goes, ah, wonder where he went. Hello. <laughs> and I got the probie behind me and I would not ordinarily take the pipe because I was the boss. You know, you're not supposed to do that. This one just didn't feel right. Yeah. So I got the probie hey. behind me and I got two guys pumping hose, good dudes. Uh, one, uh, two brothers actually, one that was on our department, another one was planning on getting on our department, but he was on another mutual aid fire. And the weirdest thing, and I can, I, if, if I was talented, like my wife or, or uh, one of my daughters that could draw, I'd draw it for you right now. I looked in where the wall met the floor, there was a hole and I could see orange. And I thought, well, isn't that odd? And then the next thing you know, I was gone. Really? And the floor let go and I hit and I, I remember going, boy, it's awfully bright in here. I mean, like this, it's this bright in here. I'm like, isn't that curious? And then I'm like, oh, there's my senior guy. And he's like face down in a heap. And then I went, oh, so this is what happened. So I grab him and I, and I will, <laughs> I'll testify, I felt, the hand on my back turned me to the left and got saying, go this way. And I followed that wall down, hit the next wall, you know, doing essentially a left-hand pattern, got back into a room, whole lot of water on the floor, and I saw the same green piano that I had seen the first time that we went into the basement. So I'm like, oh, the exit must be over here, exit stage left. Now I'm carrying my senior guy at this time, right? Wow. And, <laughs> and I get to the door and the smoke's back. And I'm like, the door's got to be here somewhere. It's got to be here somewhere, you know, and the smoke's bouncing. And then I see the shaft of light and it's like, ah, oh, we're good. So I get to there. I start up the second, I get to like the second stone step and I look up and I see uh, two, two Huber guys who I didn't realize they had called more apparatus because back then guys, there wasn't a Mayday. There was no Mayday policy. You didn't do that back. This was 1984. Uh, no, I'm sorry, 1988. Um, 
But what was funny, as soon as I saw my two guys, Mark Howard and Steve Hupp, the adrenaline went, nope, done. I knew yeah. I was okay. So I dropped my senior guy on his face twice. At that point, he's just happy to get out of there, I'm sure. Yeah, all I'm getting out wow. of him is, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> and I was like, boom. And I'm like, wait. And I tried to pick him up again. That wasn't happening. Yeah. And boom, dropped him on his face. And I yelled up. I said, hey, Howie, can you give me a hand here? And they looked down and they were like, I learned later that the guy that was at the door uh, had been an Army Ranger medic. He was at Grenada and stuff, one of the brothers. Uh, we went back in for the critique a couple of days later. And, and my senior guy and I, Dick and I, got transported. We got banged up, but we were okay. No big deal. Um, and, <laughs> um, man, he's, he kind of looked right through me. And he's like, you're dead. You're not here. And I'm like, whoa, stop. <laughs> whoa. Yeah. Wow. I said, no, we're good. We're good. And all that. It took a little bit. But, um, yeah, you know, so, you know, going back to, you know, in my time, I'll fight and fire as much as anybody. But it's like, you know, one of the best guys, one of the, the best guys in the business, Mike Galliano from the uh, fab fab bunch out of Seattle, the go, no go, you know, in retrospect, but 2020, that was a no go. There was nobody in there. There was nothing left to save, you know, but it was what it was back then. And uh, so I was very judicious after that and took a lot away from that incident about where, and the whole, where you draw the line. Yeah. Like, uh, like the one guy I was talking to last year, that only comes from experience, man. We, we try to put it in books. We try to put it in simulators. We try to put it in, you know, we try to make it convenient. And we talked about this in Texas. We try to deal with it with data and technology. And I think where it happens, that ain't where it happens. You know, I, I, I've talked to combat veterans, God bless them, that have done amazingly, amazingly heroic acts. But they said, you know, that first time you get shot at, that's like trying to tell somebody what steak tastes like. <laughs> Just. <laughs> this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anderson Rescue Solutions. Anderson Rescue Solutions was founded in 2016 by former Philadelphia firefighter Tim Anderson. As an urban firefighter and rescue specialist, Tim found that the equipment available to him lacked the usability and practicality in complex high-stress environments that rescuers often found themselves in. To combat this, he developed products based on his own experiences in the field, creating innovative, efficient gear designed to thrive in reality. The Multi-Loop Rescue Strap is a perfect example of one of these products. Made in America, this patented tool is used for rapidly harnessing firefighters or civilians in the worst conditions. Every feature is fine-tuned to meet the needs of rescuers battling low visibility, low dexterity, and high stress. The Multi-Loop Rescue Strap has been used in numerous real-world rescues for both firefighters and civilians 
all across the country, and it is being increasingly adopted by fire, rescue, and tactical agencies as standard issue equipment. I carry one. I have carried one for many years. It is the most versatile strap out there. Check it out. The Multi-Loop Rescue Strap by Anderson Rescue Solutions. Tim Anderson, the owner and proprietor of Anderson Rescue Solutions, has become a dear friend. In fact, he's even been on the podcast several episodes ago. Dropped incredible information. He's super passionate about the fire service, about special operations, and he has built an incredible company and an incredible product. So because of our great relationship with Tim and Anderson Rescue Solutions, if you go to andersonrescue.com, you'll get 10% off if you use the promo code NFR2023. That's NFR2023 at checkout on andersonrescue.com. You'll get 10% off your order. And do me a favor, go over to their social media and check out Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for weekly news, product info, and other content in regards to Anderson Rescue Solutions. This episode's brought to you by Flame Decon. Developed specifically for firefighter decon, Flame shampoo, body wash, and soaps reduce your risk of getting occupational cancer. Live fire testing shows that carcinogens on your skin after a fire are removed and undetectable after using Flame. Flame Decon has made a product that not only does its job and does it well, but that you'll enjoy using. They smell amazing. They make your skin and hair feel great. I will be an absolute witness to that. I have used the product. Tara and I have known each other for quite some time. She has sent us product. We have used it, and it does take that smell of soot and smoke off of you immediately following a shower. It makes a difference. You can find Flame Decon products at flamedecon.com and use promo code NFR for 15% off your first order. That's promo code NFR for 15% off your first order at flamedecon.com. And for departments that are interested in departmental orders, more than one or two pieces of product, you can reach out to Tara directly at Tara at flamedecon.com. She's happy to entertain any inquiries that you have. And this made me think departments need to protect their own and protecting our own is also after the fire. Chiefs, purchasing managers, look into Flame Decon as a way of protecting our firefighters in and out of the firehouse. So check out Flame Decon at flamedecon.com. Use promo code NFR for 15% off your first order. I think oh, wow. that they're really trying to kill me. So, but. you know, Dave, I think that's a, it's a great point to bring up, though, is that like, because when, when you're telling me about this fire, I'm thinking about fires that have happened just in New York state alone. And some of them have unfortunately ended up as mm-hmm. line of duty deaths. And uh, like for me as a Lieutenant, when I'm responding mutual aid to other departments that are outside of Fairview's like purview, um, where it's going to take us a minute to get there. That's one of the things I start running into the checklist is like, what's the part-timer on this? Like how long has this been, building been bur- burning? Exactly. We went to a fire one day that like it took us 25 minutes to get there. It was all the way up in the north end of the county, and the call came in at like four, four or five in the morning, and it was like eight o'clock when we went as a second do fast team. And I'm like, "What's you know?" And it just, yeah. and I walked up, and it was like a very eerie thing because I was like, "I'm thinking to myself, if this has been burning it since four, why do you need us? Like, what are we here for? Like, you know, not like in a in a pissy way, but like who's operating still in the building?" Exactly. And, 
and it's it, it's it's great to have a story like this because you know like I'm listening to you tell this the eight inches of water in the basement you know and like how long it had been burning and like and the fact that you get pulled out like I always get leery when people say like yeah we got we're getting pulled out like why are we getting pulled out like right. you know and then oh we're going to redirect you know and it's just there's so many good tidbits to, to to get off this like you can't describe what it's like when that bullet cracks past your head and you can't describe to a vegan what's you know steak tastes like and that sucks for them but <laughs> like these are the things, right <laughs> uh but these these are things that like for anybody that's out there listening like it's that checklist to start going through because you know like i'm always a believer of mental visual uh, visualization and kind of preparing yourself and so like like hearing this helps prepare the mind so that if you're starting to see these things you know Hopefully well, I agree with you. Off. A, a and, thousand, and for you to share that story is 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 a well, huge and, benefit. And like Dave said too, though, right? I mean, take him back to his first first fire where he was eighteen and and you know made the push. I mean, he would have never noticed there was water on the floor. And, Nothing. Right. And in this situation too, Dave, thank God that your original push was through the basement stairs, where you located the piano that gave you your way out. Because if you ended up going through that front door at the get go. You wouldn't have found your way out that quick. No, no. And, and you know, or if even I have the even have the presence of mind with experience comes, you know, with time and experience comes a, a, a much wider view. And so, you know, the water and the, the landmarking and the building construction and doesn't feel right. Go with your gut like that truly is only through experience. Well, and, and you just said something. Jeremy, you just said something. Go with the gut. If you've never had the experience, you've never had the um, the qualifying benchmarks, the the signs, the symptoms. Your gut's not going to tell you nothing. Yeah, but you know, you've you've got to have I, that. I from... agree, but I also think too. Like I've been in situations where I've had junior guys with me, and you can see they're not comfortable. And their guts telling them like, "Ooh, I'm this. I'm not comfortable here, right?" And and it it takes it takes the ability to tell them, "Listen, it's okay. Follow me. Let's do this." I my guts telling me we're good. My experience levels telling me we're good. Right. Yeah, I I get it. Yeah, I, I yeah. Because if they've only been exposed, and, and unfortunately, you know, we've we've been. I lived through that time where we were our yeah. own worst enemy. We were killing people right and left in training burns because, oh, you know, if three pallets are great, then six must be better. And, you know, all the stupid, stupid stuff that went on that caused the standards to be written, that caused the limitation. Um, you know, the, and, and I would defer to Rob, I mean, firing sim ammunition versus firing ammunition is a whole different ball game yeah you know and you can do that all day but until you get pushed with that um you know there's a couple of uh, good books out there one uh dave grossman colonel dave grossman uh called on combat which i think is one of the best books that any aspiring fire service leader and and don't confuse that with being promoted to lieutenant or captain that senior guy, that, that leader in the company, that leader in the station should be mandatory reading. I think, you know, stuff by uh, uh, Jocko Wilnick, 
and, and Babbitt, that, that that should be required reading by anybody who aspires because we don't have great ways of teaching leadership anymore. And, and you know, I've seen it, seen it frequently. You know, I had a, um, a situation where had recruit firefighters in one scenario in one place, concrete and steel burn building, pallets, straw, banked down to the floor. You know, the torches were doing a great job with what we wanted. Uh, this was not the, the individual's first training burn. But they get in there and they stop. And I'm thinking, all right, you know, they're stopping. They're listening for the crackle. They, you know, what they can see, what little light's coming through. You know, they're seeing which way the smoke's traveling. We're going to run upstream and this is great. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? <laughs> you can move now. And they're like, well, it's smoky. I can't see anything. And you just want to go, I'm going to go to Taco Bell. But, uh, you know, <laughs> but there again, who trained you? You know, where, where is this coming from? Because it is real. And it, uh, I, I'm just not sure we've got great ways to teach people that, like you said, that gut feeling. Um, and I always talk about too, Dave, we talk about it a lot is how do you teach initiative? Oh, I mean, you can teach skills, right? Yeah, that's on Amazon, apparently. Um, I'm what? telling you. Oh, man. Yeah. Ooh, nice one. Um, you good? Oh, yeah. Initiative? What's that? I, I, it's like, you know, how it's, about we do this? <laughs> well, well, you didn't say to. Oh, sweet Lord. You know? Yeah. And, and, uh, but there is, you know, there is that disconnect. And, you know, now more than ever. And, you know, and we have to find a way to work with it, not against it. Um, and we have to, we as a, as a fire service too, have to change and adapt also to the way people learn today versus the way they learn 20 years. And, and, and you're 100% correct. And that, and, and like you said, in Texas and such, we've discussed, uh, you know, the generational sure. thing. Are they, if you didn't have the initiative, you know, it was like, well, we already ate supper. I don't know what you're going to do <laughs> type of thing. And today yeah. that would be considered cruel. Um, but one of the things I think, you know, and, and I'm no expert at this part of it, but I've toyed with that idea and I thought, well, geez, maybe if you just say, all right, here are three options, which one do you think would be best fitting in this situation? The people aren't stupid. They, they obviously think they're brilliant at certain things. You know, they're very, um, uh, they're very savvy when it comes to certain aspects. And it's like, all right, well, you have this, this, and this. Which do you think would, would fit this situation the best? And, and maybe more scenario-based, et cetera, is what we have to look at. But Yeah, you uh, know, I'll tell you this, though, too. I, real quick, Rob, I'd I, I just say this. I feel so good, though, with National Fire Radio, how we get to get around and meet all these people. And I'll tell you, man, there is unbelievable talent out there, young aggressive, initiative-oriented firefighters out there. And so when we talk about this newer generation, I think we got to look at who's teaching them. What did you say before, Dave? Yeah, who so taught you? Right, who taught you, right? We're teaching yeah. these guys. We're teaching right. them. And, and they're a direct product of that. And that's why I said, you know, what you guys are doing 
is is stunning. Is absolutely. But it is exciting. It is exciting to see the Stephen Ellers of this world, who you know, the yeah. younger guy who just gets it, wants it, is hungry for it. Um, and there's a lot of those guys out there, and I think their stories need to be told. And I think younger guys need to look at them, and and that they're shining and leading a path to say, like, listen, man, we don't need to be the millennials. Let's not be titled or or a group. Right. To a group. Let's just perform. Let's just do the job. Let's just love this job. And let's, let's make those relationships. I mean, that's what it's about. And you guys know better than I, I'm not sure who said this, but I believe it's one of the, the ones that have come up in latter day. Don't be on the job, be into the job. Right. And that's huge. And yeah. that's huge. Because I think that's another thing too, is that I don't know that, that they've permitted, have been permitted, I don't know, uh, to have pride in something, you know, because if you have pride in this, if you're proud of this, then that means somebody else isn't. And it's like, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. But, you know, maybe I, I've seen, and, and you guys probably have too, um, you know, the one in, in rookie school or at the training that you're like, man, I know you got the potential to do this. So you lean on them hard. And you, you know, you push them. You wouldn't push everybody, but you're pushing this one because this one's got that, that spark, that, that look. And then at the end of it, when they graduate or, or at the end of the session or whatever, like, wow, thanks. That was, I, you know, if you hadn't leaned on me, I don't think this would have happened. Well, it happened because of you. We're just trying to provide, you know, a, a path for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we can... Go ahead, Rob. I was just going to say with the initiative aspect of it, like, you know, we don't teach initiative. And one of the reasons I think is that like we've kind of gotten like with a lack of experience and a lack of fires, people get very caught up in that book way of doing things, especially it's new officers. Fallback. Yeah. That's yeah. all they know. And they think they have to order people. And like, that's yeah. one of the things that like, I know a, a very dear friend of mine was, uh, was in my wedding. Um, his department that he works at now, he, they, the officers feel like they have to instruct and they have to tell the firemen everything they do. And I just can't imagine being a captain and thinking that that's, or a lieutenant, and that's what I have to do. And then I got the, the position just because daddy was the chief. Like, it's like you, like me, I, I tell my guys, like whoever's working on my group that day, if it's overtime, it's like there's going to be a lot of it right now. But um, like they know what the expectation is of me as their officer. And like, Initiative is part of that because we don't have the luxury of not taking initiative. And I think it's a clear set of boundaries that you communicate with your people. And I just, I, I often look back and it's like, what's, it's, it's almost like every NIOSH report has a couple of those key factors and communication always seems to be one of them. And I think if we communicate and we talk to our people and we let them know what the expectations are, you know, like, I I don't know. Like I, I just, it drives me nuts that like maybe that should be our next like on tap event is like initiative. Well, I tell you, I think people. I, and you know him, uh, Chris Losey does a great job, you know, yeah, leading from leading from the back seat. Um, his, and I think you've got to have a role model to learn how to have initiative. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one yes. of the things we lack. And, and you absolutely perfect, Rob, you know, you can't teach it. 
but you have to demonstrate it. Um, one of the discussions, and again, I go back to Texas, I think we had, was if you take the, you know, forgive me, the senior person, the senior man, quote unquote, what is the experience level in this day and age for that individual? They've got 5,000 EMS runs and five fires. Yeah, they're alarm specialists. And when you get to that scene where you need that first sergeant, you need that person, they don't necessarily have that either. And I think there's, there's a huge gap. Not their fault. It's just not there. Um, so, you know, what do they make up for it with? You know, do, do they go to trainings? Right. And uh, again, I'm so blessed to be involved with OSTA and, uh, you know, the stuff we've done with ADT where people are going. And I don't know if you've heard people say this, but we hear it all the time constantly is, wow, that's really cool. How come they don't teach this that in fire school? Mm -hmm. Well, there's not time. It's not this. It's not that. And what Jeremy, you said, it goes back to that boilerplate. This is what you have to get tested on. This is what you have to get checked off on, and then, you know, hit the floor. But yeah, and I, I think matter. too. Um, <clears throat> I mean, this this whole topic could just be a whole night in and of itself. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But I, I think, you know, part of it too is we have to allow people to take initiative. We have to allow people to make decisions for themselves and then let them deal with the consequences and we correct the decisions right. that were made. 100%. 100%. Right. And, Absolutely. and I think what's happening is, you know, I can't fully fault these kids that, that are being spoon fed everything because we're spoon feeding them. Oh, exactly. We're Who's not teaching? allowing... Right. We're not. And like, how are they getting you know, taught? That type of managing style where, you know, I hear it all the time. It's like, well, what do we do here? And it's like, whatever my officer tells me to do. And I'm like, wow, fine. Get out, man. Like, take him out of the equation. You're there by yourself. What are you going to do? And then you get like, you know, deer in the headlights. And you're like, think about it. Like, you don't need to be told to tie your shoes in the morning when you put your sneakers on, right? You don't. If they, if they haven't been given those options, how do they know? Well, right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and if I was king of the forest, Everybody coming into the American Fire Service would have to spend six months riding with Mo Davis in Houston. <laughs> I want to ride with Mo Davis. Yes, that's, are you kidding me? I want to go down and ride with him. <laughs> I just offered to carry his luggage. I told Steve, I said, if you ever do anything else again and you need me just to carry luggage or like drive one of the vans so the guys aren't late, like I'll do it, man. I'm, I'm that's Dude, that's my job, carrying luggage. I'm, I'm the Crash Davis of uh, national so, fire instructing. So, Dave, let's go. We got off track a little bit, but I, I love the conversation. But I, wanna, I do want to talk about this. You went off the – you retired in 2004 uh, off the job medically, right? You, yes. you um, threw some uh, injuries on the, on the job. On the job, yes. You retired injuries, off the job. Injuries, surgeries, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And – and you and not, the the one fire story you told is not the only uh, near mishap. No. I mean, you've had many and a couple, yeah, a couple and here so, and there. You know, and I, I just think like stories like that though, like the value you brought through your story before is huge because there were a lot of lot of little cues in there that um, you know you might take for granted in telling that story, but for a listener to to 
take it in. I think there was a lot of value brought, and I thank you for sharing that story because I'm sure that's not easy to talk about, and I'm sure. Well, I, I, and I'm going to do a, a shameless plug right here right now, and I will do tell it. you this, that that, believe it or not, haunted me up until a few years ago. It, that one stayed with me for, yeah. for a long time. Um, this, uh, <laughs> this lady that honors me by being, uh, letting me be her husband helped me through it, it peaked one night really badly. It, yeah. it truly did. Uh, and unfortunately it was while listening to a double line of duty death, not too far from here, that it struck me that I was kind of in the same boat as one of the guys who unfortunately passed. I said, I, I, I knew exactly what he was thinking. Been there, done that. I did, you know, surrounded by fire. It's like, kid, this is not good. Where are we going? Um, and she just, she buoyed me. I mean, she, wow. she truly, truly, Susie, truly and abundantly, I mean, you've met her, truly and abundantly rescued me. Um, and let me, uh, it was pretty crazy. It, it, it let me get this thing out that I didn't even realize. Sure. Uh, I had, it, that had been festering that bad for, you know, um, how many years, 20 years, more than that. Um, you know, and, and one of the things again, uh, and I'll say this till you're sick of hearing it. I've been blessed and fortunate. You know, I look at the guys like Rick George and the stuff he's doing with resiliency and, and pragmatic, not just like you said, the book learning. I mean, this guy figuratively, you know, takes people by the throat and, and it's almost um, the stories I've heard from some people who are very close to me going to SEER school in the military. You find out exactly who you are. And you're going to find out the easy way or the hard way. Uh, if you can get, you know, if you go to Sears school, if you go to Rick George's school, uh, if you do things like that, to me, people are going, oh, that's not easy. Well, it's easier than having to face it at a split second when you certainly weren't expecting it and don't know what the heck to do next and which step to take. And the next step you take could be your last. Yeah. So, you know, people like him out there having that and the, um, during one particular time, you know, and I'll share this with, with, with people, there was, um, I forget the name, climbing magazine or something. My, my one daughter was getting it. Uh, and I, sh I, I should tell people besides Susie, you know, we've got this tremendous <laughs> blended family, uh, my son and two daughters and Sue's two daughters. And what's cool is if we were all together and you didn't know us, you'd think it was all yeah. one family. But so yeah. we're, we're incredibly fortunate with that. But she got a magazine and there was a guy that had written an article about PTSD from a mountain rescuer position. And I would tell people out there that if you got that one or two or maybe more or whatever situation, because he was, man, he was spot on. You know, you sit there and you're having dinner with your wife and the TV's on, or, you know, if you're watching TV or whatever, and you're chatting, and all of a sudden you quit talking because you're looking at the auto accident they're showing on the six o'clock news, the double fatal, the triple fatal, 
the drowning, you know, the, the, this, the, that, the other, and you go and you focus and you can relive sight, sound, smells, everything. And then, you know, when they break to go to sports, then you're like, and you start eating again and they're staring at you like, what was that? What was what? Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, but what I learned from the article was it's okay to remember. You're always going to remember. We got that hard drive in our head, but you don't have to relive. And when you can detach from that, things get a lot better. Yeah. So I thank you but, for sharing that. Um, I think mental health is, is much more versed on it than I am. Um, but I know that it is really and truly at the forefront of, of this industry right now. And, you know, the fact that, you know, years ago, you never talked about it. And now it, it's the importance of talking yeah. about it um, and so on. And, and I, I found myself, Rob and I had a really interesting, just on a little sidebar, um, you know, Rob's done a lot with mental health with different groups and so on, even way before National Fire Radio and all that. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't really understand a lot of it. Um, you know, I, I'm not a, an emotional guy. Um, I'm sure at some point something's going to come out of me somewhere and, and it's okay. Um, but I, I, Rob and I had a real good conversation in the car one night. We were going somewhere. Um, and Rob really enlightened me on a lot of it. And the myths and the, the casual thinking of what it's about and, and all of that. And I just, I really took tremendous value out of that. And I, I can't say this enough that, um, and I need to become more versed on it too. Um, but I think it's important that everybody at least understands that there's help available and that it's not you. It's, it's, it, it could be anybody and anybody you need that help. It's available to you. Um, and, uh, and I think it's just so important to talk about and so important to throw out there. Um, because we're just losing too many people due to due these. Deals. Yeah. And I think that goes back to not unlike what you were just saying, you know, the generations handled it differently and it was, you know, you know, put up and shut up. And I think a lot of times they don't understand, you know, we're great at building walls. Yeah. Oh, we are huge, huge at building walls. Um, what I found interesting though, was probably after about 10 years of being retired, I noticed the wall started to come apart a bit and it was like, I never had dreams about fire or EMS or, or anything before. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and she'd be looking at me going, you all right? And I'm like, yeah, why? She goes, it was like the WWF in here last night. You know, she, she said, you were thrashing and hollering. And I'm like, I don't do that. And she's like, yeah. uh. but yeah. yeah. So, you know, what, one way or the other, and, and like, you know, Rob obviously knows it's, yeah, I always it stays. I always tell people that, especially in retirement, because like I worry about my retirees yes. more than anybody. Like, I mean, if there's a group that I work with, because they'll say like, like Jeremy will say like, hey, I don't, like, I'm not an emotional guy. And he's actually a highly emotional guy. Like he is like, you know, his, his emotions are having a good time and he's always that fun personality. But when he steps away and that day finally happens, like I always tell guys, the best analogy I can give you is that it's the last day at the office. And, and eventually in that time set from when you hang that hat helmet up on the rack for the last time. So whenever it happens, you're going to start clearing out those drawers and you're going to oh. take that desk drawer and open it up and you're going to take, yeah. and you're be like, and you're just going to be like, what do we got here? Oh, 100%. oh man, this is some bad memories, and it's just, and it's, 
you won't be able to help. You, you can't close no, that you drawer. Can't. You can't. You know, it's no. just gonna come out. And, no, you, know, you and are keeping that cognizant. You know, Rob, brother, you are you are so correct in that. And I and I realize because when you leave the firehouse, there's still guys there, but you can't go back. You know, they change the lock combination on the door. It's not yours anymore. It's what we have this thing that it makes us who we are. That's who we identify with. Because right. you know, it, the neighbor doesn't say. Oh, you know, Dave is the, uh, you know, up the streets, the roofer. It's like, oh, Dave, the fireman, you know, or Rob, the fireman, Correct. Jeremy, the fire, you know, you could be retired 10 years, get a DUI, cause a crash and be on the news. Yeah, and it's going to be yeah. Joe Schmo, retired fireman. It, 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 it doesn't leave. And people wonder why we think it's part of us and why we carry it along so much. But yeah, no, no I, Dave, I, Dave. The other side of this coin too, though, right, is all these experiences that you've had over 40 plus years in the fire service, um, whether on the line, whether volunteer career, whether through instruction and training, you know, you really put this, not only, not only did you have to battle your struggles with, with, with dealing with all the memories and, and incidents that you've dealt with, but you've also now taken that and putting it brought it forward to educate others, right? I mean, you're so heavily invested in training now. Um, you're so heavily invested in teaching and trying to better the industry by promoting the brotherhood and promoting training. Um, I know that, uh, you know, you're, you're big into, um, you know, RIT operations, firefighter safety and survival. Um, you work with on-scene training. You're part of the Massachusetts Fire Academy system where you're teaching uh, all levels of and in, in doing instruction on all levels. Um, I'd love to talk about your background. We alluded to Texas a bunch of times through this where, you know, we, we really had some good times together with affordable drill towers and Steve Sanguidoce, um, and so on, but maybe talk about life after the firehouse, right? I mean, we're just talking about how, you know, everybody retires and moves on and, and it's what you do now, right? And, and the legacy that you're leaving, I think you're leaving an incredible legacy, um, and I'd love to talk about it a little bit about what you're doing. Fantastic legacy. <laughs> well, once again, you guys flatter me. You must be hammered already. Um, uh, pull and spring. <laughs> pull, oh, you can't see it. It's the green screen. <laughs> so um, uh, I don't fish and I don't golf. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, you know, um, the, the weird thing is, um, and I, I think maybe Rob and I've talked about it, but uh, the only hobby I really have is uh, I do Civil War living history and reenacting. And then I had to sit down one day and, and really look in the mirror and go, you went from a job where you slept with guys to three nights, three nights a week to where you sleep with guys on the weekend. They're you know, <laughs> I was like, huh. I don't judge. Okay. <laughs> yeah. but uh, no, I, I tell you, I got involved with the training aspect of it. Uh, a good friend of mine, Mark Chubb, who I was on uh, Huber Heights with back in the day, he was a part-timer, you know, uh, incredibly brilliant individual I actually went and was in the second or third tier of command in New Zealand fire services, but uh, fire protection engineer, you know, uh, par excellence was involved with FDIC and for whatever reason um, forwarded my name to them. And 
I got a call from Bob Pressler. And I had met Bob at FDIC as an attendee previous years. Um, actually, we were both heading for the same cooler at the, uh, the old Indianapolis Union Hall back in the day. And I see this Rescue 3 shirt and I'm like, the Rescue 3? He says, yeah. So anyway, met him a couple of times after that, et cetera, et cetera. Him, Mike Lombardo. I mean, some of the guys that have just had the major influence on training, et cetera. Sure. Uh, from back in the day, and I get this phone call from him wanting to know if I'd be interested in uh, in teaching at FDIC. At first, I thought I was, you know, okay, I only live like an hour and change away, so if I, you know, do you need help stuffing rope bags, filling air bottles, you know, whatever. But uh, he wanted me to do some um, some truck company operation stuff, and essentially that's how I got started uh, was with him. And as far as as far as that goes, and the um, uh, met some amazing, amazing people, as you guys well know, in that world. Um, you know, six of the instructors, back then firehouse, fire engineering, you know, a lot of same instructors, people crossed over a little bit. Um, you know, six of the instructors from the FDNY perished at 9-11. So that was, you know, very personal for a lot of us obviously, yeah. but kind of got my start there. And uh, a guy named Greg Einsfeld from Rescue 3 was in our group. I learned more about forcible entry in one weekend than I had in however many years, you know, just practical stuff. Um, and tried my best to pass that along, you know, met guys, Greg Falkenthal, guys out of California, um, a uh, guy's still a good friend today, uh, Johnny Forrestal. He was on Rescue One in Boston at the time. And then he evolved, actually, and went with Safe IR doing, you know, thermal imaging. John's one of the most advanced, him and Bobby Athanas from Rescue 3 and Bobby Kanavi, uh, most advanced and, and brilliant thermal imaging people, uh, the godfathers. You know, there's a lot of good people out there doing it. But, man, they, they brought – thermal imaging to the table for the American Fire Service and um, kind of evolved from there. A couple of years later, you know, after hanging around in the mezzanine at, uh, at the Hampton with uh, story time, you know, you got the, the, the um, Presslers, Lombardos, Nikki Giordano, um, uh, Billy McGinn, uh, Andy Fredericks, you know, all these guys just, Man, you sit back, get a pizza, and they're telling stories, and it's like this is amazing. Just to be, yeah, just to be the fly oh, on the wall, right? Yeah, you know, I, I called uh, as I alluded to one of my best friends, Mike Mall, and I called my kid. I said, "Get over here now." Yeah, I said, "Get over here tonight." I said, "You're just gonna, we're gonna sit in the back row, and you're just gonna listen <laughs> to fire stories because you can't get that experience. We are never gonna go to those fires." that they went to, but you're going to pick up something every single time, you know, and the Salkas and, and the Dugans and uh, Rick Lasky and, and just all these people, you know, the guys from Buffalo and the guys from Ray Hoff, you know, Bobby Hoff, the guys from Chicago, just in all these different venues and, and, and different things. Um, just, just listening, you know, to uh, all this stuff champ. I mean, you know, and and I, I could say, boy, I've I would, 
Dave, I would love to just scroll through your phone and see the contact list in your phone. That's what I, that's what I want. But that, but that's been the blessing (laughs) for me. Like I told you, you know, Oh, I made a list. I made a list here, you know, just, um, to, um, uh, you know, the Jim McCormick, Ray McCormick, all these guys that have touched my experience, my career that I, that I've been able in a good way to take something from and give it to my kid or give it to the classes or, or, you know, whatever. Um, like I said, I'm the crash Davis of, 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 you know, I've been to the show a couple of times, <laughs> but uh, being able to, um, you know, to, to pass that along and then, and then continuing to meet people, um, you know, like uh, Jim Crawford, Chris Gay, the Worcester gang, you know, sure. uh, Kevin Maloney, Burt Davis, Mike McNamee and, and all that. Um, you know, Dave, there's something about your teaching style because you have a presence. And I watched that with you and Chief Crawford when I was down at, uh, down in Louisiana. And like, like, so like there, there are these other people who have influenced you, but you definitely have your own presence and tone into how you teach and instruct because like, I mean, I, I showed up take pictures, doc, you know, document training and document things and, and put it out there on, on National Fire Radio's platform. And I was like, all right, I'm going to pop in here with, with the OG real quick and see what he's doing. And I'll be here for five minutes. And like an hour and a half later, I'm walking out of the, uh, you know, out of what you and Chief Crawford are doing because both of you have unique experiences that you personally went through to that come out, not directly. It's not like you weren't like, hey, I, this is what happened or Chief Crawford didn't say this is what happened, but every student that comes in, there's something about your inflection and how you're instructing that, like they know that you are not just some guy who showed up to the rodeo a couple times and says, "Yeah, I can write a bull," you know. So I mean, I think that that's a. I don't write them; I fight them. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you're you're way too kind. I mean, I could sit here and tell you it's all smoke and mirrors, but I think every time I go out there and you know and I appreciate what Jeremy says. There's, I know who, who I've seen that it's like, you know, this person, it's like you guys, this person's legit. Mm -hmm. Um, They're, they're, they're telling me something that's valuable. Um, I may not have the exact thing, but it's valuable and it's immediately usable. And I think, and in this day and age, um, I've had people say, oh, why don't you teach this? Why don't you teach? You know, I was on the Ohio Task Force. I, w- I was, you know, I had a great time there. I was a rescue squad leader back in the day. Uh, learned a whole lot. But that's not, there's people a whole heck of a lot better, you know. Uh, can I put stuff together? Yeah, absolutely. But there's a people a whole heck of a lot better than me to do that. Uh, can I do engine work? 100% all day long. But you need to listen to John Newell, Ray McCormick, you know, and, and some other people. Um, I try to bring, one of the things I learned when I was on the FDIC advisory board years ago was the demographic of who attends FDIC. And I'm, again, going back to memory here, 
I may have to get the stone tablets out from the Smithsonian, but you know, like 80%, almost 90% of the attendees at FDIC are from departments serving populations back then, could be different now, less than 30,000 people, 50,000 people. That, that's the American Fire Service. It's not correct. Chicago, it's not the yep. FDNY, it, yep. it's not Houston. 100% correct. But these guys have the information and the experience because there's a real good chance they went to that strip mall or something where they had that, you know, outward opening door with the panic bar, metal door, metal frame, set and block. You know, we tried this, it didn't work. They said, oh yeah, we used to do that, but we do this now. You know, and I talked to Roger Kendrick or Joe Minahan from Boston. And it's like, hey, what do you guys do with this? And that's where, you know, we get the information. But, you know, Rob, I, I really appreciate you saying that because my, my intent and my purpose, and I hope, I hope it has been, is if I don't have the answer, I'm going to try to steal you to somebody who does. But good God, man, look it up go out and go in the drill yard and do something. You're not going to learn it from a video. You're not going to learn it from a book. You know, if champ says, Hey, you know, try this, take out that, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about rapid intervention and all that. Well, obviously I've had a couple mayday scenarios, you know, another one I wasn't directly in, involved with. I thank God I wasn't a part of it this time, but we had an individual go down. This was before we knew anything about harness conversions or anything else. And it was an abject disaster. The guy lived, but it was terrible. I swore it would never happen again. I would never do this again. So I attended, you know, Ray Hoff's um, class, the get out of lives, the Salka classes, you know, the saving our own and all that, because we were never going to let that happen again. You know, I work at the Mass Fire Academy with Joe Minahan, his father, Steve, Past line of duty death fire anniversary was last week in a nine alarm fire in, in the uh, in Boston Harbor. You talk about somebody that's passionate. This guy grew up without his dad, yeah. you know. Um, and he, if somebody dogs it, he is right there in their face because he's lived it. He has absolutely lived it. So I try to take all of these and whatever it is. The other thing is, I try to stay in my lane. I know what it's like to try to get a down firefighter out. I can do force blunter, I can do laddering, I can do primary search, I can do some tech work. I try to stay in my lane, um, you know. And like uh, when we went to Texas, when Steve called, he said, hey, do you know a guy? I said, yeah, give me Eric Hankins to teach pumps. You know, give me Pags, give me Danny McCauley. Um, you know, give me these guys to do this stuff because they are exceptional at what they do and they have that, that um, panache, they have that je ne sais quoi to being able to look you in the eye and you know they know what they're talking about. Yeah. And they don't yeah. talk at you. They talk right. to you and they right. talk with you. And, you know, I, I was, and, and Richie Stack, I was so thrilled with Richie. I, lo I love, I, I met him great guy. first time out there. He's yeah. Yeah. You know, what a guy. it's like, you know, give me, give me these guys. And because I know these guys will make the difference from 
a training to a, to a pretty significant experience. And, uh, you know, watching some of the attendees coming back going, wow, I know they're yeah. going to keep that for the rest. Of, but the best part is, who are they going to show? You know, and people I get back to. Yeah, this and could that's... go on for generations. But I thank you, Rob, for, for what well, you say. It, it makes me feel that, um, you know, I look back on the legacy of my granddad and my dad and, and um, that, uh, you know, hopefully we're doing it the right way. And yeah. I, I, I want people, like I said, I, I forgive me. I know it, it, it's one of the up and comers, um, you know, be into the, into the job, not just on it. So. Well, I like your, like your statement, it's valuable and it's immediately useful. Because that's what I mean, I mean. You know, that, that, and that, I mean, that's where, that's why I ended up getting hooked in that day because like, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, this is just going to be search rope should be pretty easy. And <laughs> You know, I'm sitting there like video and this stuff. I'm like, well, I'm gonna be showing this to my crew. Of, <laughs> you know, this is like that's exactly what it what it was all about. So I think because that's like, it's, I suck yeah. at theory. I you know what do. else we need to do though? We need to make sure that these younger kids know the names that you just rattled off for the last five minutes. Yeah. You know, there there's there's becoming more and more of a disconnect in this fire service where who are the leaders for the next generation? Who are me? I grew up reading the articles. I grew up reading hearing four times cover to cover each month. And then I would never throw it out. Now I read Mike's column and I put it on the back of the toilet and send them to recycling the next month. I'm going to be honest. It's not the same. It's a different world these days. Right. And so we need to get that Rolodex of Dave Gallagher. We need to make that a living testament to who these guys are and the lessons they brought to the fire service so that people can learn the names and the theory and the practicality behind what they knew or what they learned, what they digested and what they taught. And, and I, I think that there is a big disconnect today about who are the idols. We talked about it before. How do you take initiative without having a, um, a, a role model or a mentor? Role model. Yeah. Role models today. I mean, I, I can't begin to tell you the first time, you know, when, when I was uh, fortunate and blessed enough to be an FDIC instructor and strolled in and, and into the mezzanine at the Hampton for pizza. And I looked at this crowd and going, what am I doing here? I feel that way all the time with what we do. No, but. I but do. Dave, I'm being totally honest with you. Uh, and I guess and I could get that. It's like a feeling. <laughs> it is, but I tell everybody I carry their luggage. But, that's um, right. but you know, that, that's one of the things where uh, Aaron, Aaron Heller and Osta, Rusty Ricker with On Scene with uh, New England Fools, these guys put that out there. And what I'm happy to see is they're not jerks about it, but they will call people out. You know, the, the, I, poof, I remember when somebody started, you know, posting the, well, the garbage man doesn't get excited when he comes around the corner and all of a sudden, you know, we were going to give him a day or two. And then it was like, yeah, who said that? Who said that? You know, where did that come from originally? Or if you put out the fire, you don't have to jump out the windows, you know? and that type of stuff. And, and we've seen 
stuff copied and copied. And, and like I said, I like to stay in my lane, um, as it were, because we've seen a lot of people go a lot of places. I mean, I don't know, squat about airport firefighting as an example. So I'm not going to do that. Do I know people that can do that? Sure I do. Um, but it, uh, it's really great that you say that and hopefully some of these people take it to heart. I think part of the issue is, and we've got some cool retirees, you know, we've got guys that I wish, oh, for the love of God, I wish we could drag to seminars again. I mean, we got the Ted Corporandis that retired out of San Francisco. This guy saw some work, you know. We got the Mark Wesseldines out of the FTNY, you know, one of Andy's best friends. Um, Jay Camella out of Oakland from back in the day. So much powerful information and great, just great, great instructors that, uh, you know, and going back to my first attending FDIC, attending Firehouse and these hands-on sessions, I think that's where it became a, a driving force for me. I want it to be immediately usable. I, you know, I don't, like I said, I suck at theory. <laughs> Ask my wife. <laughs> no, I am not good at theory. I said, I drag my knuckles and it, it's black and it's white and that's it. But um, these guys were tremendous, you know, and, and they were there during the fires. There's a lot of people, I believe, from, from what I see, that they want to achieve. They want to contribute. They want to um, try to make things better. But they're not there with credentials yet because of what we go back to, the E-word, the experience. And I wish they would go back. Um, you know, what is George Santayana? You know, those who do not remember the past are condemned to relive it. Unfortunately, we see that from time to time. I've asked instructor classes, <clears throat> you know, level uh, instructor one classes. I said, can you tell me about the wall bombs fire? Can you tell me about the Hackensack fire? Uh, hmm, uh, I said, well, what's, can you tell me anything about Coos Bay, Oregon and Hackensack? Nobody knows because nobody told them to care. So that's where you guys come in. You yeah. guys come in and say, because how many people can I reach just standing up, you know, bumping my gums in front of a class versus what you have to offer and can spread this out. And I challenge somebody right now, you know, who, whoever's going to listen to this, tell me, figure it out. Tell me what happened at Coos Bay, Oregon and Hackensack, New Jersey. You know, tell me what happened at Keokuk, Iowa. That's everyday fire department stuff. Over 90% of this country, that's everyday fire department stuff. Right. You know, um, manliness, I think I never pronounce it correctly. Manilis, manliness, New York. Yep. Um, so I apologize for, for flubbing the pronunciation. Read what happened there. 
that's the way we get better. That's the way we get better. But Rob, thank you for, for what you said. It, um, it was an honor to be on this job, you know, and I ain't gonna lie. I miss it every day. I know I can't do it anymore, <laughs> but, uh, I miss it every single day. I miss, it was, it was funny. Um, when my, uh, eldest daughter was talking about retirement from the air force because of what she did in her incredible talent. I said, what three letter agency are you going to go to work for? And she goes, I'm not. I'm like, man, you're going to make serious money for what you do right. and all that. She goes, cause I'm not going to be able to do what I did in the air force. And I said, I don't get it. She goes, well, let me ask you something. She said, what did you like about going to fires? And I said, well, one, I liked about, I liked being the intervention. I liked being the, um, I don't know, what would you call it? I liked the attack. I, li I liked that. And I liked at the end being able to see what I did how I did it, whether I did it right, whether I did it wrong. We get in this job immediate feedback, immediate yeah. feedback, because we know if that line ain't getting it, that's immediate feedback, right. bigger line or make a, make a bigger hole. And she goes, that's why I can't go to work for these agencies. She goes, what I do, I see the immediate effect right now. She goes, I go to work for one of these agencies. I may never see the effect or I might find out 20 years down the line. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's pretty cool. I never thought of it that way, but we get, we are one of the few and, and Rob talked, alluded to this earlier. We are one of the few entities that get to see exactly how well we do right then and right there. And I, I don't know. I think it's pretty powerful. I think so too. And I, I think you hit it on the head and um, you know, I, I, I know we could just go on and on. We've been going, Dave, we've been going for an hour and a half already, believe it or not. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, no, absolutely. All right. what, I'm upset because I know we could go for another six hours. So we're definitely going to have you back on another episode for sure. But um, I, I do want to, I do want to ask you a question before we kind of sign off and so on. And um, one, thank you for your real candidness tonight. I mean, you know, you certainly, you certainly put it out there for the, for everybody tonight. And I, I thank you um, behind everything you said tonight was true emotion. And, um, and you know, that for me means the world um, for you trusting us with your story uh, or a fraction of your story tonight. <laughs> um, but I, I will, I, I want to ask you this. Um, and you're still so involved with the fools organizations um, with training, the different training groups um, with affordable drill towers um, and so many things on your plate. Um, where are we headed? How's the fire service? Are you enjoying it? And if so, what, what's the good? Because I think the job is still good. And I think, you know, talking to you tonight and seeing the emotion coming out of you and hearing the Rolodex of friends that you have, I want to take what you can offer and bundle that up and share that with everybody because I think it's infectious. And I think that the relationships you forged over the years with the experience that you have, um, 
I think that that needs to be shared. And I think that's what makes this job good. And, uh, and I'm just curious your take, you know, and, and everybody is naysaying everything these days in, in the world that we live in today with so much change and instant gratification, the need for instant gratification, the need for instant change. There's no discussion anymore. What can you tell me about the fire service that you see that maybe going forward, you can instill some light or values into, you know, typically our younger listeners that are listening to us? I think as long as a line is properly charged, properly stretched, the doors forced, the vents done, to me that's in, in my perception. That's the best thing in the world. Um, we're making people are still going to fires. Um, people are still making grabs. Uh, you know, I think a lot of us, past, present, and future, you know, they they want to be job town. They want to go to three fires a day. That's not the reality, but. It is what it is. But as long as they are ready to do that, as long as they, and I know there are a lot of them that are ready, but I, I hope somewhere along the line, they understand exactly what that means. Um, very dear friend and confidant, Dave LeBlanc, you know, it, it, it it's about them. It, it, it truly is about them. And as long as an organization uses that as its mantra, I believe we're always going to be good to go. We're always going to be needed in some fashion. Will it change just due to technology? Will it change due to necessity? I don't know. You know, is it going to become the emergency service department? Uh, it, it may be. It may be. But somehow, someplace, somewhere, somebody's going to have to go in and make a grab under lousy conditions, and somebody's going to have to stretch a line and throw a ladder and get a door open and get the place opened up. And as long as there's that need for that one person and wherever it may be, then... I think we're good to go. And as long as there's people there to answer that call, then I think, you know, that's to steal your slogan that that's solid brothers doing solid things. And nothing gives me greater pride than to say, yeah, I was a fireman, yeah. you know, um, outside of my family, <laughs> outside of my family, but you know, um, and I know there's going to be guys I know from back in the day going, you're such a goof, <laughs> as we all do, but we still are in contact. Um, when I hear combat veterans talk, you know, and I, and I remember my dad's bomb group reunions. Dude, it's the same stuff. It's the same stuff because somewhere along the line, something bigger than us hung in the balance. And we met it head on. You know, you, what, who said that? Dave Gallagher. No, <laughs> somebody, somebody much brighter than me. Um, 
I don't know, a philosopher, I don't know, could have been whoever. You know, you, you really you really don't know what living's like until you've almost died. And I think anytime we roll out the door and the people rolling out the door today, you know, I, the, the town here in Holton, Massachusetts, I've seen these guys work. There's some truly, truly great folks here. And I mean, people and, you know, I'm not, I'm, like I said, I'm incredibly mediocre, but people that I certainly would go down the hallway with that I, that I would say trust to do that. And if we can keep saying that about people we know about the next generation, that you would go down the hallway with them. I think that's like hearing a combat veteran said, yeah, I'd share a foxhole with them. I, I don't know that there's a, a greater accolade for those of us that know what that's about. And, you know, I, I haven't seen some of these guys in how long, but I know if it was, you know, in the next five minutes, we'd be there for each other. And I don't know that it gets better than that. But as long as somebody is willing to make that stretch and, and willing to make that hallway, then yeah, we're good. I love it. And I, I think that sums it up. Yeah, we're good. I love it, brother. Dave, thank you, man. I thank you for being <laughs> on tonight. Um, we, I, this, this time flies by and we could go for, for so much longer and we will. Um, well, maybe you can use it for filler. <laughs> you're ridiculous but i i just i cherish our friendship and um yeah, as do i you know Thank having you, so you here tonight and just uh, getting some of your background and some of your story um and like oh man i i you can hear it you can see the emotion you can see it in your face and you can hear it in your dialect um you know you love the job and you love everything about the job and i think it's infectious and i think that for you go out and tell your story keep telling Keep sharing that Rolodex with people. Keep putting people in key positions. As you said, I might not be the guy, but I can get you to the guy. I'll get you to the guy. Absolutely. You're my guy, and I appreciate everything that you do for us. Well, you so, didn't ask you. me the question you said you were going to ask me. Uh-oh. Where'd the OG come from? I thought, Rob, Rob, where were you on this? <laughs> I, was listening, I was listening to the OG. All right, listen. So, Let's go. Let's have it. All right. All right. So the OG came from, there had to be a separation because when my son got on the job and worked his first tour, there was young Gallagher and old Gallagher. So there's OG and YG. There it is. That's how he became the OG. And not original gangster. It is in my book. Yeah. <laughs> my book. Okay. Thank you. My gentlemen, I, I can't thank you enough. I'm, I'm flattered beyond words, and uh, I hope it contributes. So. What an awesome night. And uh, I'm excited to get this up and to share this with everybody. And uh, just thanks for taking time out of your day to uh, hang out with some friends and uh, tell some stories. It means the world. So. Absolutely, brother. Well, God bless you guys. Be safe. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Keep doing thanks, what you're Dave. doing. Thanks, Appreciate Dave. it so much. Have Rob, night, take fellas. us out of this thing, will you? All right, man. Well, hey, everybody, this is Rob Jeremy from National Fire Radio with the old G, old Gallagher, actually the original gangster, David Gallagher, 
Uh, thank you again, once again for having being on the show with us tonight. It's uh, this, this was fantastic. So thanks for having me. Guys. We'll see you Take guys care. out there, and uh, don't forget to hit up the online store for merchandise. And plug it, like plug awesome away, Rob. Brotherhood, uh, Brotherhood shirt. So <laughs> we will, uh, we will uh, see you guys later. Thanks, right. guys. Have a Take good care. night. National Fire Radio.